most time. important is that uh, Thea likes us here, how we look. They look very nice. Thank <laughs> you. Okay. So make yourself comfy. The iSpot is the podcast about polar science and the people. We talked to scientists who went on board Polarstern, the German research icebreaker, for the biggest research expedition in the Arctic. Hello and welcome again to the second episode of the iSpot, the podcast about polar science and the people. My name is Kirstin Werner. I'm leading the International Coordination Office for the Year of Polar Prediction. And with me is my colleague, Sarah Pasqualetto. Hello. How are you, Sarah? I'm good. I'm excited. We have the second episode and yes. that's twice as many as I was very much looking forward to. <laughs> I think it was first days in December when we had this interview with uh, Thea Schneider. Yes. Uh, she was a mosaic school participant mm -hmm. one of these early career scientists the lucky ones who went on uh, the mosaic school yes. and came back in late october mm -hmm. from this cruise uh, which was on the russian icebreaker academic fedorov yes which supported polarstern going into the ice and setting up this uh, distributed network so they helped Building this small city. Well, there are, there are like the different cities, right? There is yes. Met City, there yeah. is Ocean City. But this is all on the central flow. This is all on the central flow. Yeah. And then there are like other smaller instruments. I don't know if there are any smaller actually, but like other, other instruments, instruments that are set yeah. uh, further to take other um, uh, measurements and data that right. retrieve different data. That Because it makes sense to have like a larger radios of, of, yeah. of not only space. measuring just one exactly spot. and Thea actually in this interview um, you're going to hear in a in a bit um, Thea talks about um, some of these instruments so I think one was this MET sled was mm -hmm. called and this is a, like an automatic weather station but looking more like a sled I think um, yeah. we have pictures on Instagram if you want to see that or on actually we used one of the pictures of this MET sled for the latest uh, newsletter of the Polar Prediction Project. True. That's called the... Polar Predict News. Yeah. Uh, if you go back on the website, polarprediction.net, um, you can find all the newsletters. I think it was the Polar Predict News number 13. 13. And um, the title pick is the MetSled that was used, um, yes. that was set up um, by Thea and her colleagues. Mm -hmm. And then there was also another instrument she was talking um, in this interview, um, which was which basically, I, I think it's a, it's a, one of these buoys. You can look that up. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it yeah. was a sea ice mass balance buoy they were setting up and she, um, you will hear that she is explaining that there was kind of a kind of difficulties finding yes. uh, how to install this thingy. And then More or also less the same way you struggle with an IKEA yes <laughs> uh, um, furniture manual that sometimes although it's pretty straightforward but I understood IKEA would be easier than than that one I also understood that even though they had a manual she says yes but, um, but it wasn't of no help <laughs> yes at least not for the problem they were facing but they succeeded anyway yeah. they yeah. found a solution and they were able to deploy the or like to to put to use the instrument successfully. Yeah. 
And actually, if you're interested in the data that comes from all these instruments, from these um, large uh, sites put around the central flow, um, but also, I think, data from the central, central flow, mm -hmm. they are all going into the mehreisportal.de, or yeah. you can also type in seaisportal.de. Yes. And you can have a look there and see if these measurements are continuous or if there's any issue. Um, and yeah, in this interview, are we also talking to her about her professional photography skill? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because she, uh, before she became a physicist, uh, she um, had an uh, she studied photography. Yes, and um, so uh, going now on this uh, cruise, she of course used that. And she has uh, quite a quite a number of pictures. Yes, uh, she's going now to put together mm -hmm. maybe for an exhibition. Um, yeah, we'll see. But first, she has to write up her master thesis. True. Some of these pictures, though, are already out for yes. the public. So if you're curious about uh, the sh uh, seeing these pictures and also learning something about what these pictures is showing and yeah. uh, the conditions, uh, Thea has an Instagram account. Uh, you can find her at the.answer.is.north. Right, but I think if you type in Thea Schneider in you this Instagram, you can find it. Yeah, but exactly. um, <clears throat> Yeah, so I think she makes right... Um, Quite nice post at the moment with mm -hmm. uh, very interesting descriptions also. Yeah. So um, go on this account and uh, we are at Polar Prediction. This is our Instagram account. We are reposting, of course. So exactly. you can find that also yeah. with us. Um, but just uh, briefly, I wanted to mention that the Alfred Wagner Institute used to have um, some kind of art science mm -hmm. uh, program together with um, actually that's an institute from Delmenhorst. They used to have this um, art and science program with the Hanse Wissenschaftskolleg, which, uh, which is an institute for advanced studies in um, Delmenhorst, close to Bremen. Mm -hmm. And they had a fellowship for artists within the, um, it's called Expedition Science and Art. However, at the moment, this is unfortunately not offered. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we don't know. Maybe it will be at some point again. But so they had uh, quite nice um, art projects before. I remember when I was an intern at the Alfred Wegener Institute um, press department many years ago. That was around <laughs> 2006. There was one painter um, I saw pictures of and that was Gerhard Riesbeck. He was on a cruise uh, to Antarctica mm -hmm. by the time and uh, made like real-sized um, paintings of scientists and of the natures and nature and things like that. So um, I remember these pictures. And then I also found there was uh, one photographer with beautiful pictures also from Antarctica. His name is Frank Rödel. And he actually published a book, uh, Terra Incognita. So mm -hmm. you can go on, I think the editor is called Kerber, and you can find that book. You yeah. can check it out. Uh, on on the internet, you can Google that, right. and uh, there is a there are some preview uh, pictures yeah. that you can look yeah. at, and these were beautiful. These I mean. were beautiful. Also, the paintings were very impressive. They yeah. were very realistic, and also gave the idea. Some, sometimes you see these pictures with like beautiful colors, and like it looked like. It could be a picture, but it yeah. was a painting. Yeah. Very beautiful. Yeah, that's right. But anyway, we don't want to let you wait further. 
<laughs> yes, um, we had a uh, very cool uh, conversation with Thea yes. and we want to leave you to that. So enjoy this conversation. Yes, have fun. And we have a very special guest here today in the studio of Radio Visa TV. Well, uh, almost. She is not technically right, here physically. She's not here physically. That's uh, something like a premiere for us. Yes, she is connected with us, with us. from Potsdam, right? Via Skype yes, or GoToMeeting or however you call it. And you are in Potsdam, yeah? Yes, I'm in Potsdam. Yes, and actually now we're telling who the guest is. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> It's Thea Schneider. Thea Schneider, who has been joining the Mosaic School. Thea, how are you? Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm super excited to be here. Actually, a little nervous. Don't be. You can see that we are fools so here. So we are. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We are very much relaxed. This is not an official interview, and we are just here to chat and right. yeah learn more about what you did actually because yeah we want to we want to get a perspective about the mosaic school also from uh, from one of the early career scientists who joined the school um, this was an initiative by the apex um, network apex stands for the association for polar early <laughs> career scientists yes and um, so the mosaic school is now over finished officially. since uh, several weeks and Thea has found uh, her way back home from Chomsø. It wasn't that easy in the end to find one of these flexible flights but uh, we managed after some efforts <laughs> and Thea is uh, holding her thumbs up now. Yes, <laughs> she confirms our I'm very version. grateful. Yes, <laughs> and you, we managed to put you at home. Yeah, <laughs> because actually um, the year of polar prediction was sponsoring um, Thea going there. So that's why we are involved with her travels <laughs> to Tromsø and yes. uh, back from Tromsø. So in this uh, first block of interview, we would like to know more about who actually Thea is. Yes. So Thea is a... Master student now at the University of Potsdam, and you're also working with the um, Potsdam Alfred Wegener Institute for Polar and Marine uh, Research. Mm -hmm. She is doing her master's in physics, right? Yes. Yes. And um, you have been studying before quite a while, first at the Technical University in Dortmund, and then you went to the Arctic also for studying, right? How did that happen? <laughs> well, I didn't start out with uh, studying science. I studied design first, and I did a bachelor's degree in photography in Dortmund. Wow. And uh, <laughs> yeah, not quite what you would expect, maybe. Um, That's quite a change. While doing, yeah. while doing my bachelor's degree, I, um, I thought about that there is something missing in my life. So I, um, I didn't just want to look at the world, but I wanted to understand it. So I wanted to understand processes. And then I decided to study physics. And that's what I did in Dortmund. And well, that was like a general physics degree. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> well, sounds rather boring, but I was always uh, interested in the polar region. So I decided for my master's, I would like to actually see some of the polar regions and uh, went to Tromsø, mm -hmm. to uh, the university there. And they actually sent me to Svalbard for four months okay, and I was right. really, really lucky cool. to 
being allowed to study there for some time. So uh, I'm very happy. <laughs> when I came back, I decided to uh, continue with um, climate science. That's why I um, changed to University of Potsdam. Okay. Okay, that was my next question. Why did you um, change uh, from basically, I mean, first Dortmund, then uh, Tromser and Svalbard and then going to Potsdam? Well, um, first of all, Dortmund doesn't have anything related to climate or uh, okay. polar region. So okay. that was not an option to go back. Mm -hmm. And um, after being in Norway and being like uh, excited about <laughs> Uh, research. I like checked out all the universities having a physics degree with climate science, and there are only mm -hmm. two in Germany, I think, is uh, Bremen and Potsdam. And in the end, I decided for Potsdam, also because the Alfred Institute is here. So I was kind of hoping that I would be able to write a master thesis there, okay. which you you are actually doing now, right? Yes, right. Yes. And I'm actually handing it in in February. So wow, that's <laughs> very soon. Well, good, You've almost yeah. made it. Good luck with the with the last. I mean, uh, you probably have to still write some pages, right? <laughs> it is the last, yes, a lot. Yeah, yeah. So the master thesis, I, I, um, you sent me the title of your master thesis. It will be about the impact of improved turbulence for polar conditions in a regional Arctic climate model. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> yes, Sounds it's intense. a very long title. We might have some questions on that. So you being a professional photographer, I can say that, right? Yes. I would be interested in how many photos did you actually shoot in the Arctic during Ooh, the mosaics? That's a lot. I think it's uh, 20,000. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Oh boy. <laughs> Yes, I spend every day taking photos and I use every minute I had for photography and my project. And I didn't only take photos, I also did interviews. Uh -huh. So it's like spent a lot of time talking to people, which was really amazing and just observing what people were doing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a lot. <laughs> nice. Okay. And who, I mean, how will we see these photos and hear about the interviews at some point? Do we have a plan for that already yes um so my plan is to do like a photo uh, photographic documentation of it and i want to make a little book and also an exhibition that might hopefully be viewed in more than one town and then you can come visit or um we also talked on the ship uh, about a collaboration to have it online so that actually everybody can take a look mm -hmm. so oh, i try to nice. make it as accessible as possible because it's about visibility and getting people excited about polar regions so right yeah yeah <laughs> i'm excited about that yeah me too and uh yeah we might me too. we of course are gonna share it yeah <laughs> you were our our ambassador let's say at this at the school we we sponsored you but also you sponsored us somehow so we would be very very happy to promote exactly. what you're doing now yeah, yeah that would make me happy as well of <laughs> how are you coping with twenty thousand? files now to, to, with 20 i mean you have to sort them out somehow or like you have to go through those right do you have a favorite? And you're hiding now and just like nope do you already found yeah. your favorite picture oh, oh no no 
It's so difficult. It's a lot. You just have to take the time and sit down and go through all of them. And then you have to make selections and <clears throat> it takes basically forever. And as I just said, I have to hand in my master's thesis. So I am yeah, like, right. working all day, coming home, doing more work. So it's, uh, yeah, it's going to take a while. But also it's super nice because I get to go back and relive all these moments via the pictures I took mm -hmm, and right. yeah. conversations I have. So that is actually really nice as well. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Tia brought some music. Yes. Um, the first one is particularly interesting. So Thomas also put this song, which is Dry from Incubus, right. in his playlist. So we were wondering if that was something related to this to the Mosaic School too, or if this is just a coincidence. That can be. We were just, yeah, excited <laughs> about playing why, it. Yeah, why did you choose it? Well, I, I don't remember uh, anything particularly school related, but um, actually we listened to Incubus a lot uh, during the yoga session. All right. So that is why uh, Incubus came on my mind anyway. And I then that I really enjoy listening to it. And uh, Drive is, I think, it just describes the mood so well you have on this expedition where you're just open and every day is new and something exciting is happening and mm -hmm. you're just embracing it. So that's like what the song is about for me. And that's why I chose it. I didn't realize that Thomas chose it. <laughs> Well, I mean, you couldn't know probably so, but we it, it was curious to see that it was exactly the, the, the same song. So we thought maybe there is a story behind it. Did Thomas take part in the yoga sessions as well? I don't think so. That's why I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have some gossip here. So, Okay, then let's hear Drive from Incubus. Okay, so we are back with Thea Schneider connecting with us from, from Potsdam. Now we would like to, to talk about the Mosaic School itself and what happened so many miles away from us and what you were doing those six weeks that you were there and were uh, helping out together with the rest of the, of the students and the crew on Akademie Federov in setting up the distributed network and, yeah, help mosaic to start really did you have a like a what? specific role or how was the whole thing organized she met all the people there on board yes i guess that was pretty exciting also during the dry days right yes yes definitely we got to meet like so many people and as you know in the beginning what thomas already told a little bit about we had a lot of lectures Mm -hmm. and we had a lot of lectures about different topics so i got to learn about I don't know, ecosystems and uh, biogeochemistry and things I've never heard of before. Mm -hmm. So we got to get like the theory, like the bigger picture of the Arctic couple system. So that was really nice. And then we got to meet all the people and get familiar with who does what. We also got an introduction, what instruments would be there. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of got split up in teams. So there were like the atmospheric team, which I was not a part of. I was actually Team CIS. Okay. But you, you are an atmosphere <laughs> person, right? Well, I'm a physicist. Which <laughs> can mean anything, moment, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and at the moment, I'm working for an atmospheric physics department. Mm -hmm. But actually, I'm really interested in the couple systems. So I'm interested in the exchange, like the processes from atmosphere and sea ice. And then I chose sea ice. 
because okay. I also love mm-hmm. you guys. <laughs> but um, as I was saying, that uh, there were different instruments and they were kind of associated with different groups. Yeah. For example, the so-called Metzlet, which um, has a complicated name that I don't remember right now. I can and, help you um, with that. It's the Atmospheric Surface Flux Station. And I just read it out because I couldn't remember that. <laughs> So, I think no one can remember it. Right. And, um, but it looked like a fancy, this right? This, this um, metzlet, you call it? it? It looks like a fancy thing. It is a super fancy thing. It, it just got designed especially for a mosaic. Okay. And it's like this, I don't know, gigantic Nansen sled, which is a special type of sled for um, going on the ice. Mm-hmm. And it has all the atmospheric measurements on it, like typical, like temperature measurements, wind, uh, also for the fluxes, um, the sonic anemometer, just to drop some words, <laughs> people can maybe not, yes, fancy words, not know like what those. it is, but then um, maybe the important part is, um, or the interesting part for me, even though I was not involved with it, they actually do measurements that would be incredibly helpful for my master's thesis, but sadly, <laughs> I have to hand in early, so oh. I cannot use them. So you can't use any data from this mosaic expedition for Sadly the not. thesis? Okay. No, but it would be amazing. But other people will in the future, and that's yes. amazing. Yeah. And you might end up working with them in the future as a PhD student, maybe. Yes. Mm, that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe still have a chance to put your hands on this data that you helped Right. You know, retrieving somehow, like without mm-hmm. your your help in setting up, nobody would be using this data probably. So <laughs> that would be really, really great. But um, the funny thing is, this this uh, all the instruments they had a lot of parts and they needed a lot of hands. So the mosaic students were like really important for helping setting these things up in time because, like the Metzlet, it has um, some batteries and the batteries need to be warm. Um, so that the whole system can start. So it's time sensitive. But um, the instrument I was involved in is the SIM, SIM 3, which is Seasonal Ice Mass Balance buoy. Okay. And this buoy uh, measures actually sea ice thickness and uh, a temperature profile from the ocean through the ice to the atmosphere. And um, it also measures like um, snow height, and then you can monitor how the ice develops throughout the whole year with these points. How does this look like? I mean, uh, if it's measuring everything, it needs to be a huge thing. Or yeah, how exactly. can I uh, picture like, this? Develop vertically somehow. <laughs> yeah. This is actually super funny. It's just like a gigantic white tube. <laughs> and, okay. um... <laughs> and, you, and you push that into the, the sea ice flow or... How, well, um, how is that installed? It, well, first you have to drill a hole in the ice. Okay. That's also a duty that the students were involved in. That we helped the, um, Chris and Andy, people from Woodfall, they were um, responsible for drilling the holes for all the instruments because there were a lot of instruments that were went through the ice to the ocean. So you mm-hmm. somehow need to access it. So yeah, they right. uh, drilled gigantic holes. And um, when you drill your hole, you assemble the buoy, which is basically two parts. And then you just put them together, which is, sounds really easy, but, 
but it's Let not. Let me tell like you, it's, it's not. <laughs> okay. Not. <laughs> we actually spend, I don't think, I think three days before down in the hold, which is like the inside of the ship. There's a place where you can work inside. And we tried to assemble some of these buoys. And there was this, um, the spongy where the cable is in to transmit the information from uh, like the bottom of the buoy up to, um, to the antenna where it gets sent where the information gets sent to the, to the satellites, uh, this part got stuck and we couldn't put it together. Like we tried several times and uh, with different buoys and they all got really stuck. And then um, oh, no. we thought and thought and thought. And when we developed this really funny fix for this problem where we would just like um, take a piece of trash, <laughs> like this plastic thing, okay. and we would wrap it around the bungee and pull really hard, and then you can actually uh, put it together. So it's like the fix is super easy, but to think of it took us quite a while, and then we were super happy. And then it was actually then it was easy to assemble. You feel a little bit stupid when you have like an instrument that seems to be so easy, yes. but then it just doesn't work. Yeah. So but there wasn't any manual sent with that, no. Oh, there was, but that was, was not planned. That that's what is not something they would expect. Okay. So this is what I think one of the main messages that we learned on this expedition that always happens something that you did not plan, and then you just have to come together and all think about it, and then just find a solution for the problem. And that is what we did, and it worked. And it was such a great feeling when we were on the ice, and then we assembled it, and it worked fine. Yeah. Yes. That must be a great feeling. When they tell you, you just need to be, you know, to follow rules. No, that's not true. You have to be creative and find solutions that you were not expecting. Right. We have to see a picture of that. I yes. guess Thea has made some pictures she can share with us on Instagram, maybe. The problem too. will be to find it among the 20,000. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> It's just basically a white stick because we also want to make it as less attractive as possible for polar bears. Yes. Right. Mm. Are you are you now watching um, the instruments how they are doing? And oh, we are not involved in this. Okay. Like okay. we don't have access to the data at all, and that no. So you don't. We know were involved this... in setting up. But... You don't know if that maybe just. Um fall into the ocean and because there was a storm yeah there was a recent storm so um i think um they have to go with the helicopters right now and check check every um site okay i think we can listen to the next piece of music yes rocket man me first and the gimme gimme's what did that why did you (laughs) choose the story behind this (laughs) well First of all, I chose a cover because it's like a punk rock music cover and I enjoy that kind of music. That's why maybe you don't know the band. (laughs) But um, I chose the song because, uh, well, I feel like an expedition like this to the Arctic is kind of the closest thing we can get to like going to the moon with staying on Earth and like all the, like the, Things that are in the song, it kind of also applies to this kind of expedition where you're far away from home and you can't just go home and it's um, hard to communicate and stuff. So, yeah. Okay. That's why it. Let's hear it then. It's Rocket Man, Me First and the Gimme Gimme's. Yes, um, we're back with uh, Tia Schneider. Connected. I like 
this version of Rocketman very, very much, I have to say. Yes. So thank you, Thea, for, for making me, you know, discover this version too. So, so Thea, did you Yay. at some point, did you at some point uh, on the CS feel like being on Mars? Oh, How was a the lot atmosphere? of time. Yes? <laughs> maybe not Mars. More, more the moon, moon maybe. The it's moon, okay. Great. But it's so, it's so beautiful and amazing. I just, I love being in the Arctic. I love this landscape. Maybe people would say it's just plain ice, but it's not. It's like so diverse and all the colors, especially before polar night, you get all mm -hmm. these pink sky, blue sky, and the sea ice. It's so beautiful. So, so was there <laughs> was there a very special moment, um, you being out there, you you always remember when you think of this these six weeks? Um, not there's not like this one moment, but it's this feeling of being out on the ice. It's just it's really rewarding like you are so like you're full of energy and you're just you're working you're doing your job for example I was um, responsible for um, driving the snow scooters at some point so we would drive cargo and people from the ship to the site and Very that's also a little bit yes. because <laughs> because the stuff is uh, time sensitive as I said like uh, they have to be put out in the ice and um so you have to hurry and the stuff has to go to the right place at the right time. So you're like full of energy and like you're concentrating on the job and time flies by. Mm -hmm. But then you have the little moments where you just stop and you watch the people work and although like you see the ship and you see the sky and it's just you realize in what kind of beautiful landscape you are. Right. And then actually one part that I really enjoy is when you come back to the ship and you take a warm shower and then you just you just you're in this mood you're very calm and you're very relaxed and tired and just so happy yeah. it's just pure happiness <laughs> that's beautiful yeah i mean it, it's one of those feelings that everybody probably should should feel every once in a while to just be rewarded about what you're doing and also doing it in such an amazing environment too like it's not just that you're setting up instruments you're doing this in one of the most remote places in, in the planet, probably. And and you're there and you're making a difference also, because, I mean, this is such a big project and uh, and you're there contributing very, very Thousands nicely. Thousands of kilometers far away yeah. from any other people. Yeah. Right? I'm incredibly grateful for this opportunity. Like, I can't even put it into words. Like, being allowed to be there, being allowed to help and be part of this amazing project, which is this mosaic is so great. It's interdisciplinary, but it's also so international, which I think is, like, in times like these, it's so important that people come together and work right. together and find common ground and science is something where this actually happens. Did you also learn a little bit of Russian language then? <laughs> <laughs> yes, a little bit. Like I can say which is like a formal hello, you would say like when the captain passes you. Mm -hmm. um, also like the thank you of course. Right. And um, I actually had this amazing German Russian breakfast with the Russian polar bear guards. Uh -huh. Where we would just sit and actually, I think they learned more German than I learned Russian. But <laughs> <laughs> it was just really great to like spend time with them, not working, but like personal time and get to know them and hearing their stories. So, so what, what's so special about this breakfast? Was that a special breakfast event at, on the ship or tell us more about it? Yeah. <laughs> actually, the thing is food. 
like food is so celebrated on expeditions. I mean, you you eat four meals a day, and every meal is like a proper meal. It's not okay. just like eating a piece of bread in the evening. Yeah, you just have a proper meal stuff. four times. Wow. So it, it's like a really tight schedule, and I think that's why they do it. Like so that your day has a structure. Mm -hmm. So every meal is like a come together, everybody meets and they eat together, they exchange information and right. like, you also get to go in from the ice and relax a little bit and like speak about how it's going and like what you have to do when you go back on the ice. So it's like important meeting, communication, structure thing. Mm -hmm. And I, re I really valued it. I mean, I, I thought it was a lot of food, but... <laughs> it, Actually, I also really like the food because I had vegetarian food. I didn't have to eat all this meat. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you had the potato version of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you would think it's not, it's not just potatoes. They had like a huge variety of very delicious dishes, especially in the beginning when they still had a lot of fresh vegetables. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. People were so jealous of our food all the time. <laughs> <laughs> See, vegetarians are going to rule the world. Yes. We know that. I was I was just about to ask you if if it was a struggle at all to like with the fresh food being a vegetarian. No. Perfect. Yeah, that's the answer I wanted no, to hear. It was <laughs> Actually, I could always find something that I liked, even though like um, they always had soup, for example, and the soups were so great. So you could always find like at least one part of the meal that you like. For example, they think for some reason that fish and like stuff from the ocean is vegetarian oh. it's not. that's what my and grandma I would say i think like <laughs> are you eating vegetarian yeah pasta with, with tuna fish of course <laughs> totally normal yeah like that but um so i would always find something to eat anyway even though i wouldn't eat the fish and it was it was really good and they were so nice and caring so they would like always give you really good food i think at some point they started making extra when they made fish like some more vegetables to make sure that you were eating and you were served and like you were all good oh that's nice. yes they took really good care of us i think i gained a few pounds <laughs> <laughs> which is normally I, i mean i don't know i've never been to in, in expedition and i didn't never ask about it but it i don't It's, it can happen it that can you ha gain some weight <laughs> actually on polar stern um there's a weekly tradition uh -huh. you go down there and uh, weigh, weigh yourself and then it's <laughs> recorded and if you i think if you have to if you gained weight you have to pay something okay i don't remember but we can ask um other guests yes. for the podcast yeah. about this tradition but the weightometer um, yes <laughs> exactly so um it's is there um, an award then for i think uh, the <laughs> one who gained most weight of an expedition is i don't know cool <laughs> awarded somehow that should be the mindset though you know like you know em embracing body changes and also gaining some weight there is no shame in that no i like um, it yeah i like it very much yeah we also yeah. did something against that we tried to do a lot of sports so we had like yoga sessions almost every day and then there were people doing crossfit every day which was like i i joined one and it almost killed me so i i was sticking with yoga <laughs> yeah i would have stick with yoga too yes. we heard also from thomas that this this crossfit was like I don't know, superhero kind of stuff and that normal people shouldn't do. So I think we hear the next um, song you brought, Bonnie M, Rasputin. Was that played on board? <laughs> yes, it was played several times on board via the like communication thing. You, like, every room has this communication box. 
Uh-huh. And okay. um, they they would wake us up every morning. The the chief, uh, Gregory, he would uh, make a wake up call, which was so sweet. I really loved it. And then they would play some music, and the song was one of the I think most played songs. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice. Okay. Then we hear Rasputin, Bunny M. The Year of Polar Prediction is an initiative of the World Meteorological Organization. It is a 10-year program with the goal to improve weather and sea ice forecast in the Arctic and Antarctic. The Year of Polar Prediction brings together the international science community with the national weather centers and those people who are actually using weather and sea ice forecasts in their daily work and life. Mosaic is a huge international project coordinated by the German Alfred Wegener Institute for Polar and Marine Research. For one year, from September 2019 to October 2020, Polarstern, the German research icebreaker, is frozen into the central Arctic sea ice. Around Polarstern, there is a distributed network of instruments set up of the surrounding sea ice flow. These instruments on the ice provide a unique data set that never existed before. In particular, measurements will be taken during polar night. These extra observations will cover all aspects in the Arctic, from the atmosphere through the sea ice and into the deep ocean. These observations will improve our understanding of the changing Arctic climate and weather. Based on this better understanding, models that forecast weather and sea ice in the Arctic can be improved, which is crucial for the year of polar prediction. Therefore, Mosaic has been endorsed by the Euro Polar Prediction, as it will significantly contribute to making better weather and sea ice predictions for the Arctic. And now some updates from Mosaic. So Mosaic is, I think, um, they're right now in the middle of leg two already. Yes, it's so crazy. There was Christmas. You know, once you when you heard the last episode, like the bonus episode with Steffi Arndt, mm-hmm. um, after that there was Christmas, there was New Year's yeah. Eve. They celebrated New Year's and it was the northernmost Sylvester party oh. that was celebrating the planet. How was that celebrated? I don't know how exactly. I know Did they, they have put a the cord. I don't think so, huh? <laughs> I don't think so. But they were the. I saw they decorated the 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 vessel, so oh. everything inside was Christmassy or like celebrity. I don't know. They probably had some champagne. They pro- they celebrated. Yeah. They partied a little bit with music and stuff. I didn't see any like videos or yeah. <laughs> recordings of, of the of the party itself, but they were very very far north yes uh, it was 89 degree 86 degree north and they also said they are further away than the what is than it the, international, uh, than the international space, space station, station right now yes right? exactly so it's it's further <laughs> away from civilization than, yeah. the, than the international space yeah. station which is mind-blowing yeah. It's, it's incredible. But, but yeah. anyway, so they had Christmas. There was chocolate mm-hmm. on board. Yes. They were kind of running out of chocolate. But then for Christmas, <laughs> Santa, Santa brought chocolate back. Yes. So, so you, they were Santa. happy about that. Before Christmas, um, actually on 27th of November, that um, um, other Russian ship, the Dranitsin, um, left Tromsø uh, with a new team. So that was about 60 scientists and um, new crew members and... Also, some of the um, logistic team mm-hmm. members, and they um, came to 
exchange with the crew um, during leg one. And yeah. I think they had a storm in the beginning, so they had to wait a while until they could, could go. Actually, that was interesting on that one um, Arctic Drift po podcast, the German one, mm -hmm. um, you can follow um, on Spotify. They said that um, they had to go back to the fjords because the waves were like up to 10 meters and can only cope with waves of three to five meters. So that was interesting to me yeah. that, that they had to really um, escape the big waves because the, ship, the ship won't do it. Yeah, wow. and there were also, I think, some delays for the, like, the thickness of the ice was like yeah. slowing down the yeah. ship quite a bit. So yeah. they, it took longer for them to reach Polashtir yeah. than, than, mm. than it was planned. Mm. And actually, on January 2nd, the people mm -hmm. from like one reached Tromsø. So so yesterday uh, I had a call with um, a scientist from Leg One who mm -hmm. just came back, um, Gunnar Spreen. He will be also on the ice pod at some point. So we're looking forward uh, yes. to having him here. And uh, he told me because I was asking him how thick is the ice right now, and because in the beginning it was really like thirty to forty centimeters. That was at at least what Thomas Racco told yes. us um, when they looked for the ice flow. And he said now, um, I mean, the average uh, thickness of the ice right now is 50 to 60 centimeters, which mm -hmm. is much better. And at some points it can even be to up to one meter or there are also these ridges, you know, then there um, the ice is piling up um, even the further. Mm -hmm. And also uh, you could see on uh, online um, they had started now to set up the runway. Yes, because um, uh, one of the later exchanges, I think, between uh, leg, leg three and leg four, yeah, exactly. will be only uh, on by yeah, by aircraft. aircraft. I was reading it's like four hundred meter meters long and twenty five wide. Oh, so it's really that big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they need they, they need, need a big one. Yeah, right? exactly. And yeah, what was also interesting to me, um, it was mentioned several times. If you're following Mosaic, um, is the moon. I mean, the moonlight. True. Um, they really rely on the moon mm -hmm. um, working on the ice, and if um, there is but the moon is going away moon, soon, then uh, then it might be difficult, yeah. more difficult to to I work was, there. Yeah, I was also reading that they were said they were using also this like terrestrial laser scanner so that they mm -hmm. can have picture 3D pictures of like the surroundings, and so they know where the instruments are mm -hmm. and. Uh, how the, the surface looks. There was a recent update. They are playing Murderer right now on this True, I on saw this, that. Uh, yes. ship. Do, do you know that game? <laughs> I know that Italy? game. Yeah, are yes, you playing I actually, yeah. I actually played it once and uh, and I succeeded in, in like, I, you know, I, I, I completed my mission somehow. Me too. I also, <laughs> I was, the, I was the murderer and nobody would ever <laughs> stay close you know, to you. Be, believe <laughs> Or think I could be the murderer okay. because I was like you were a good undercover. <laughs> yes, murderer. I I was. So mm -hmm. cool. <laughs> But I think that's. I so. mean, they need some uh, time off working. You know, they they True. work like the whole day. But then it's good that they have some time. Yeah. And some fun <clears throat> on the on the ship. And then yes. there was also this uh, nice picture they had recently on this um, mosaic app mm -hmm. um, with the Arctic fox. Yes. And yeah. so it was, I think uh, it says in the description that Polona Itkin, who is uh, right now leading the sea ice team, mm -hmm. I think, um, she found there was like the cables yeah, and stuff were kind of like nibbled mm -hmm. and they found some hair from this Arctic fox. So, yeah, exactly. that was quite 
cute picture. That was a very cute picture, yeah. yes. We are following this. If you want to follow, um, go on the website, uh, mosaic-expedition.org. And there then there's also, also follow.mosaic-expedition.org, I think. <laughs> that's, that's where you get these uh, daily ups updates. We just uh, listened to the song uh, Rasputin from Bonnie M. And you said your um, neighbor in the cabin was even dancing when the song was played, right? Yeah, she would also uh, always turn uh, like uh, turn on, turn off, no, like turn up, turn up the volume, okay. out, and then she would dance and sing to the song, and it like, would just raise our mood all like. It was just really fun. And we were almost dancing here yes, in the studio I, I, I of Radio Weser TV. Going yes. at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good because we get also reactivated. It's nice. It really felt like yeah. feels like... There's lots of energy yes. with the song. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You you were on board Academic Federov and you were a student as 19 other people like you. <laughs> from all over the place yeah. and all over the world. How was it also to, to share with them uh, six weeks almost nonstop and seeing each other every day? It was really great. I have literally nothing negative to say. I mean... Um, <laughs> Just say <laughs> the positive things Yes, then. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's... Uh, I mean, I think everybody was like a little tense before because we were like sharing rooms with two other people and then mm -hmm. like seeing each other every day but we were such a great group like the dynamics were really really great and um, we were discussing science but we were also um, just hanging out together so it's just it was really nice and we like, have now this amazing network to 19 other young scientists all yes. over the world where we can like I don't know, call via Skype and be like, hey, Sean, can you maybe look at my uh, research and tell me what do you think about it? Like uh -huh. Connections like that. And it's really good. Cool. Did you also already get, had the chance to share what you're doing now that you're back with, with some of the people that were on board? Like, are you, are you having regular uh, conversation with them? Um, no, but I have the chance. Like, after I came back, I had this week in Moscow. Um, mm -hmm. where I traveled because of my master's thesis because uh, I'm writing it in a German-Russian cooperation. Yeah. And actually, one of the uh, Mosaic School participants, Tanya, she's also from Moscow, and she's working or she's doing her PhD in the same institute. Mm, so she okay. actually visited, like, we met every day, and uh, she visited to um, join my presentation about my topic, and we had some discussions. So, yeah. Nice. Like, well, speaking that of, <laughs> speaking maybe, of the project, be, because it came up, <laughs> maybe you can tell us something more, more in detail about uh, Polix, right? That's, is that the name? Is that how you call yes. it? The, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I, I heard it's, so we just heard also from you, it's like a German Russian cooperation. And for what I understood, at least, I have written down the, the objectives of this project. And maybe you can <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, or like tell something more scientifically insightful than, I, than what I can say. But it's about uh, atmospheric and sea ice interactions, right, in, in climate models and, and, uh, and the representation also of this interaction. You're seeking to to enhance the performances of, of these models. What model is that, actually? Yes. I was wondering. 
<laughs> An Arctic climate model. Okay. Which model are you using? Well, I am personally using Hiram 5, which is an atmospheric standalone model. So I sadly have no real sea ice in my model. Can you say that it's again? So it's so sad. It's a Hiram 5. I know what it stands for. It's Hirlam uh, and Ekam. Ah, I yes, see. Exactly. Okay. We we cleared the air now. <laughs> we, <laughs> yes. Both right. of us, we are not modelers, so we have no clue. So, <laughs> how are you involved then in the in this project? Yes, exactly. So, um, the project, what what is happening in the project is that we look at a. Um, new turbulence parameterization, or it's not specifically new, but it's an improved version. We don't know if it's improving anything yet, but um, we try to improve. What does that mean? So okay. we have the turbulence here and we have the parametrization. <laughs> exactly. So uh, maybe we start with what uh, turbulence is. I think we know it from uh, everyday life. If you, um, for example, watch someone smoke a cigarette, the smoke would curl up and these um, eddies is what we call turbulence. They, these eddies are like circular motion. Yeah. They have different sizes and they are incredibly difficult to model. And actually, it's like one of the unsolved problems of mathematics. Okay. So if you want to um, include turbulence in your model and you have to, then you have to use a parametrization. Um, a parametrization is used when we don't understand a process yet. Or if the process is happening on a scale that is uh, not resolved by our model. And that means, um, for example, my model is uh, the Arctic domain. And if I look at a photo of this Arctic domain, I can see all the details. I can see Greenland and I can see the Arctic Ocean. But now if you imagine you um, turn down the resolution and the pixels get bigger and bigger and bigger and you're left with four pixels, You don't, you don't recognize anything anymore. Right. And um, a climate model is also based on little pixels. And within these pixels, you only have average values. Like every box has one temperature. And this box in my model is 25 kilometers big, which is gigantic. In this gigantic box, there are processes happening on scales of meters. Mm -hmm. For example, clouds or sea ice parts or turbulence, for example, because these eddies, they are a few hundred meters wide. So you would actually need to look like you, you would need smaller boxes. And right. that is why we need the parameterization. What does cause turbulence in, in your model or in general? Turbulence can be caused mechanically. So by a wind, for example, mm -hmm. if, um, as you can imagine, if like, wind produces shear and then at, at the boundary of the shear, you would you have instabilities and then you get turbulent motion. And also um, buoyancy can like, create turbulence. So if you have um, heavier air above like lighter air, <clears throat> it will go down and then you will have motion. But anyway, I was interested in your project and especially in the turbulence because your project is about extreme weather events in the Arctic, right? Oh, no. Well, the project <laughs> this is... is Polex. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't it stand for polar extreme uh, events? Yes, um, but the project is a gigantic project. It's ah, several years. Okay. And mm -hmm. I am just a tiny wheel in the <laughs> okay. whole project. <laughs> okay, so you, you element. Yeah. So you actually don't have to do with extreme events at all? 
No, because um, right now we're at the beginning of the project and mm -hmm. what we do uh, are so-called sensitivity studies. Okay. So we implement the new parameterization in small steps. So we introduce one tiny change, then let the model run, introduce another tiny change, let the model run, and have also a control run where we didn't change anything. Okay. And then we compare and see what happens, what does the new, mm -hmm. what, what do the changes actually do in the model? Because it's a gigantic right. complex and you don't always you don't always know what will happen. Did you finally succeed in uh, your studies or what is the result of your master thesis now being just uh, two months uh, before handing in the thesis? Well, it's three months and um, three months. yes, okay. <laughs> no no need to panic now. <laughs> no, no, actually we have an important meeting next week where we will talk about the results and mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not it's it's not not so easy yet, and there it's like not all the work has been done. <laughs> okay, okay, so you still have to do some some more work. Yes, actually, yeah. okay. maybe a little context on that. I ha I have to hand in my thesis early because um, the professor mm -hmm. is on mosaic, so he only has oh. time in a certain time. So I have to hand I in see. two months early. Two so months early. early. A lot of work. <laughs> Yes. That changes yes. everything. Okay, we should better <laughs> shorten that podcast so Thea can so go that, back to her yeah, master so that studies. you can work on, on, on serious stuff. No, no, it's fine. And I actually think it looks very promising, like the the, the results I have so far, but I am I, I don't want to make like a very clear statement right now because right. it's not, yeah. Yeah, we're that not sense. that far yet. Yeah, okay, yeah, of course. But, but I'm uh, very sure about um, that Thea's master, master thesis is also contributing to the year of polar prediction. Very much so. Because this is all about improving um, models, yeah. CIs and atmospheric models. And, and to understand do, also. To better forecasting. Yeah, exactly. Right? Understand so. what is going on and understand how we can predict what, exactly. what goes on. Yeah. Actually, turbulence parameterization is like one of the big error sources for prediction. So it's really important that a lot of people work on this. Yes. So <laughs> we're going to hear the next song, I think. Yeah, which is on the next page. Uh, <laughs> it's Northern oh, Lights. Yes. That seems very appropriate for the topic. Yes, because you saw the Northern Lights. Um, well, when we were still in Trump, so we had some very faint uh, Northern Lights in the beginning. But um, mm -hmm. on our way back, we had... Uh, two nights in a row, really intense northern nights, and they were just beautiful. I think uh, Thomas described them very well. Yes, and <laughs> I, I amazing. guess you made some pictures of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> some. I will share them with you. <laughs> All right, so let's hear Northern Lights by Jacob Shea. So while we had this break, listening to the music, to the beautiful Northern Lights by Jacob Shea, um, which I actually enjoyed very much. We were also thinking about, I mean, uh, you were attending <laughs> Thomas' lecture on board, the Yop lecture. Yes, I was. How was that? Oh, it was uh, really great, especially um, he did learning do well, about... Right? <laughs> yes, he did. He did a great job entertaining us and also um, teaching new things to us. Perfect. I'm very relieved now. <laughs> <laughs> he did the job that he was yes. kind of paid for. 
Yes. yes. And I think now everybody knows about Yop and what it is and what it does. That's so exactly that's <laughs> what, the, what the whole purpose was. And you know how to forecast sea ice. Well, I learned about uh, how you can do it with a simplified model. Mm -hmm. I think he told you in the podcast. And we also did some hands-on Python exercises where we did some coding. And yeah, that was really exciting. And uh, learning something new about modeling. <laughs> were you also involved in these uh, weather forecasts? Uh, yes. Um, yeah. I think most of us were involved uh, at some point because we were doing the daily weather forecast where right. we would analyze the data and then make a little presentation at the general meeting. Mm -hmm. I also prepared, like I was involved like a little bit more because I developed a script where you can Well, where you can plot a vertical profile at the position where we are, are right now, like a temperature profile, for example, starting at the surface and then going up, for example, mm -hmm. 2000 meter. And okay. that was based on data from the German Weather Service. So um, now we are interested into you being a professional photographer and at the same time, which to me, physicist. it's like the coolest thing Yes. you can possibly be <laughs> and also that the fact that you combine <laughs> the two uh, the two things so so nicely also that you get the chance to portray these beautiful regions and at the same time study study them and and investigating them how did the whole thing came up how does this happen people ask me all the time because they say like how does this fit together physics and then photography like what does it have together or like what does it have in common and um it actually i think that science and um, also photography they're two very creative things and um mm -hmm. it's for me it's a similar way of thinking And, but the motivation for me personally was that I have always been interested in science. And if I hadn't started, started studying photography, I would have went and got a math degree, actually. Mm -hmm. But um, while I was doing photography and I loved every piece of it, um, I realized that I was missing the science part, like mm -hmm. um, understanding how the things work and not just being able to look at them and then think about them, but also getting a more complete picture of yeah. the world and mm -hmm. the, like how all these beautiful things come together. Like why, why do they happen? Yeah. And especially I had this moment uh, during my bachelor thesis in photography where I visited Svalbard. Yes. <laughs> and, um, I only stayed there for 10 days, but it made me fall in love with the Arctic region so much so that I had to the polar up. virus as well. You got the polar virus. Totally. It was <laughs> one of the like, most amazing times in my life. And also I met very inspiring people there who were like um, reinforcing my idea of doing uh, a second degree because mm -hmm. they said like, even though maybe not a lot of people do that, you should follow what you think is right for you and right. yeah. I did and it was just the right choice yeah, <laughs> yeah it got me here it got me to go to the mosaic expedition how yeah. great is that yeah. so no regrets on that side no no at all <laughs> so so Taya I'm I'm wondering now that you're I mean studying physics doing your master thesis I mean looking through your lens is that now different seeing 
it more from a science side or yes i think it definitely influences me a lot and how i look at things and especially what i notice when i look at the scene because before you notice like composition colors like things that um capture your interest mm -hmm. and now as a scientist you also see a lot of new things because you know a lot about your environment and then you see like oh this is a pressure ridge and i know mm -hmm. how it formed and mm -hmm. uh, And then you you can have also like a new sense of appreciation for it. So I'm I'm guessing it influences you. And did your picture change? I mean, would you would you say you would um, made a different picture, let's say ten years ago, compared to now from the same kind of motive? Objective? Definitely. Yeah. Yes. How? But I mean, wh what what would have <laughs> changed? Could you say? I mean, is it is it the angle you, you know, I'm not a pro photographer. I mean, I, I tried to at some point, but <laughs> now I'm just using the mobile phone. But, the, you know, there are some some methods, I guess. Um, I mean, it's a really interesting question and I haven't thought about this. So um, I, I don't know. I think you're you as a human, I mean, as a photographer or as a person that takes a photo, When you take the photo, everything that you live through in your whole life influences how you take the photo. Mm -hmm. So right. 10 years ago, I was a different person than now, like a very different person. I learned so many things since then. So, of course, I would like the scene, I would um, see it in a different way. I would feel it in a different way and I would see different things. So I would say a lot of huge differences, but I couldn't like point my finger on what it is. Comparing the, the two moments when maybe when you decided to start your degree in photography and start your degree in physics, could you say if you felt more strongly about one or the other or they just came from the same place of curiosity and maybe finding your, your, right, your right place somewhere? Most of the times I have um, this urge to do something. Like I really want to do this. And I had it with photography and I had it with physics as well. It's just like, sometimes it feels like this is the way I want to go. And all the other ways are just like, not. Not good not enough. Happening. <laughs> <laughs> not happening. <laughs> right. So do you already have an idea what would be your next step then? I mean, what is, what is the future? What, what comes after this master thesis? Do you have an idea? Well, I would actually love to do a PhD, but um, I'm slowly starting to look into PhD positions because actually this trip to the Arctic also really changed me because at heart, I am a theoretical physicist. So I love my equations and I love my math and I love my modeling. But um, having like, experienced this field work and working on the ice really makes me want to include a tiny piece of field work into mm. the work I do as well so that I can go back and do some field work and have some like own data that I can work with. Um, so I would actually love to have a modeling and field work part in the PhD, but I don't know yet where I'm going. We but um, if you're asking uh, photography-wise, I will always just uh, do my side projects and find ways to include my scientific work in my photography and I think I will always do that because I think that science communication is also very very important so that you can open up this I always call it science bubble 
because we're so yeah. focused in what we do and then we sometimes have to take a step back and um, see the bigger picture but also show this picture to other people and make them see what we do and why it's important and We could not agree with you more on mm. the on the science, science uh, communication part. That's also why we're here talking yes. about what you did. And also speaking of side projects, maybe you as a as a student of the Mosaic School are kind of asked to develop your communication project or like your uh, to be an ambassador, right? For for Mosaic, how is that going? <laughs> I really want to do this um, photography project where I would do a book and an exhibition. And mm -hmm. that is like my main focus and my main like outreach product, I would say. But um, I'm also uh, trying to do other outreach things like I will start posting stuff on my Instagram, for example. I haven't started yes. yet. Um, I will write a little bit on my blog, like more personal diary style, for example. Then I already talked to... Uh, the media department at University Potsdam, and they are currently writing an article and uh, talking to you guys. <laughs> and actually, also, also, um, Thea has uh, wrote a nice um, personal report for right. the Year of Polar Prediction mm -hmm. website, yes. polarprediction.net. Mm -hmm. um, we can put the links down in the Spotify and in the, the podcast description, description of our podcast. Right. So, um, so you can read Thea's impressions from from this uh, from this experience on top of yes. hearing from her yeah. directly on this podcast. So, check all. Make sure you check also the descriptions of the podcast because we put very interesting stuff there. Many links. Also, the link to um, Thea's playlist. Yes, because if you want to listen to the music and hear the podcast just on uh, a podcast platform, mm -hmm. you can't really hear the music because. Um, Because of copyright, yeah. Uh, but we um, have developed a playlist for each of our podcast guests. Exactly. So to for you to get the full experience, you should also look out for the for the personal Thea Schneider playlist on Spotify, also under the IcePod profile. Yes. Speaking of, we could maybe move on to the fifth piece of music that we yes. have here planned. Which is Stand By Me, Pennywise. It's another cover, right? Isn't that? I was yes. wondering, isn't that a really old guy singing that? <laughs> I remember I had yes. a song when I was really young. <laughs> I had it on my, <laughs> what is it, cassette? <laughs> the, the tape. The tape. <laughs> that is not for millennials, if you're listening. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, come on. I, I, had, I had cassettes in my hands, too, so... Uh, but why why did you pick this this song especially? Um, Stand by me is uh, we actually um, we had the sing along evenings where Thomas would play his guitar or ukulele and Sam would also play the guitar and um, a lot of people uh, gathered uh, around and just sang a few songs and Stand by me was one of the songs that we sang a couple of times because it's just a very beautiful song right. and. Um, Of course, I chose the punk rock version again <laughs> because uh, I just uh, really like it. And actually, after I gave you the playlist and looked at it again, I realized that I put a lot of covers. So maybe it's just we a don't cover mind. Playlist. We don't mind. Uh, actually, we we like to explore new 
new perspectives also. Of, and of I like to be reminded on my childhood <laughs> living with tapes, you know? <laughs> exactly. One, one more note, because the song is not just a nice song and it just doesn't remind me of the, the sing-along evenings. It also really um, makes me feel of polar night and being on the ship at night. Kind of also has the mood. <laughs> Perfect. That's exactly what we want to mm -hmm. get. So we hear now Stand By Me by Pennywise. Here we are again. Here we are again. Here we are again. At yes. the iSpot, the Year of Polar Prediction podcast. Yes, the podcast about polar science and the people. Right. The person today is Thea Schneider. For if you're listening to this on the radio and you just switch the frequency... Yeah, switched on the radio. Switch on the radio, or we, you were just listening to something else before. Stick with us and just listen to to what we have to say here on Radio Visitivo. Right. Yeah. So we wanna have. We are almost at the end of this of this very very interesting conversation with Thea, and just to also draw some conclusions maybe from from this experience, we would like to to ask you like. How is that now life, now that you're back from, from uh, Arctic and Academic Federov and you don't have the same persons around anymore? Do you feel changed or is it, is it hard to come back to reality too? Because it's, it was such, an, such a particular experience and you were so far away that maybe something on, on that side too. Oh, this is such a layered question. <laughs> um, <laughs> Of course, I am changed. I am so changed. I have never been on an expedition like this. I have never been on such a like intense. I've never had such an intense experience. So um, I learned a lot about myself and how I cope with this and how I like, behave, how it does, like how it makes me feel. And that's it's nice. <laughs> and also, I learned so much. So it's like scientific wise, I'm a different person now than I have been before. Like the broader picture, I keep telling you that we learned like all the different like ecosystem, biogeochemistry, physics, sea ice, atmosphere, ocean, like all the things and how they intertwine. And um, I don't know all the field work that all the little details that you now know, like the experiences that you built up that you didn't have any experience of before. Um, changes you and as I told you before like I'm I have I'm not an like experimental physics person I, I like my theories but now I want to be part of it like it got me so excited about it that I I want I wanted to be part of my life and of course I want to go back to the Arctic so bad like <laughs> the Arctic virus it like, just it put me on a plane I'm, now and just bring me there yes exactly so Yeah, also all the people I got to meet, like I, I miss them so much. You get to know them so well when you share a room and share right. all your time with them. It's just, yeah, you miss them. <laughs> also, um, I think when you're, when you're on the expedition and um, when you're on the boat, you're like all excited and new things are happening. And um, when you get home, you have this moment where you just feel very lonely. And then you realize how tired you are and that all your batteries are drained. And then it takes a couple of days to 
like recharge the batteries and come back to reality and being able to go to a grocery store and cook your own food. This is so difficult. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, deal with all the information, like mm-hmm. cell phone connection and right. news. It's like, yeah, it's a little bit being like on a different planet. So it's, you, you need to adapt back to reality once you're back. There was an interesting article uh, sent this morning about um, uh, through the Avi. Um, they made a study uh, with nine people from Neumeyer Station, which is the Antarctic uh, German overwintering station. Mm-hmm. And they checked the brains um, of these people before they went to Neumeyer for a year and then afterwards. And um, they found that these brains would decrease, <laughs> decrease while they are there. And they don't know, I mean, they said in the study that it's only nine people, so it's not like statistically significant, Yeah, what they call it. But um, uh, it's interesting, and they found a similar thing uh, with, I don't know, with rats or mouse, mice. Okay. Um, and it might be because of um, the limited um, impressions you yeah. have on the station and being there a year. Too. And um, this is, I'm just saying that because Thea just mentioned all the different influences that come back when she, when she was home again. Yeah. Because, you, I mean, you had many people around, you had to do lots of things, but staying in an isolated place like uh, Neumeyer Station or even, I don't know, the Arctic Station on Svalbard, the mm-hmm. Avipev Station, uh, could influence that. Right. Interestingly, uh, in the end, they wrote um, that um, it's probably reversible. So this is something, <laughs> this is the good news about it. So that you don't have your brain just damaged for the rest exactly. of your life. So no one would ever apply for overwintering in the <laughs> Antarctic station then. Well, brain is a muscle, they say. So you just have to train it and, and right. adapt it to whatever you're doing. Yeah. Maybe that's that's what you have to do while you yeah. while you're in uh, Neumeier station. So Tia, what what was uh, the biggest surprise for you being there in the Arctic, and maybe also uh, when you came back to Germany? I think the biggest surprise, um, or there were two. <laughs> the one is um, how incredibly loud the sea ice is, like. Um, I woke up several times at night from the noises that the ice made uh, on really? the ship, like <laughs> waking and the pressure, and then you get like you get a feeling for the immense forces that are at work when the sea ice um, is moving, and that's like very scary. And I was very happy that I was in this gigantic metal box that was like kind of indestructible so yes. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. really scared, but I imagine like someone like Nansen in his little wooden from they they must have been scared yeah okay yeah. and um, um Thea, what what is the second surprise you were mentioning the food but we already talked about the food <laughs> okay so the food was uh, much better than you expected yeah yes yes everybody was saying that on a russian ship that the food wouldn't be so good and uh, like kind of got me scared in the beginning but it turned out to be really good and i was just happy Now I want to be on a Russian ship and try out the food. I am so hungry right now. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot cope with with food with food talk. <laughs> Do you could you point out maybe like best and worst moment of your cruise? Ooh. 
Well, the worst moment would be yeah, when well, she came back. Could be, yeah. Yes, actually, yes. That I was still on the ship, and I, I, and when they told me that there was no flight for me, oh yes, <laughs> that was a not so nice moment. I think that was actually my worst moment because I like I had moments where I felt down and where I was very insecure because I'm a very insecure person and. Um, I sometimes tend to put a lot of pressure on myself mm -hmm. and I sometimes did that on board as well. And then I was feeling down. So I would say that these were like my worst moments, mm -hmm. but um, there were so many more good moments. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that I can pinpoint one best moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I told you, like the moment when you were all day on the ice and then you mm -hmm. come back in and you have this very calm and happy feeling mm -hmm. that is just, really amazing but also being on a polar bear watch and just being able to calmly enjoy the insanely beautiful scenery with the sun going down and the sea ice and the tiny people walking on the ice also i don't know i could like go on and on and on yeah. there was just yeah. We can then say best moments. moments. The best moments, <laughs> yeah. All the happiness. Yes. Dancing on the ice. Dancing on the ice. Okay, so what will you miss most about these six weeks now being back? Well, of course, the sea ice. Yes. <laughs> being able to go out every day and look at it and just stand there. And I'm already missing that a lot. And of course, the people, totally missing them. Yeah. Did you also do you also have your favorite kind of ice? I think we asked that to like Thomas. And yeah, they are all so beautiful. But um, one that I um, that was totally new to me and I thought it was very amazing. And I also think I have like a nice photo of it is finger rafting ice. So it's like very thin new ice and um, it's kind of intertwined. So there's one flow and the other and they okay. um get pressed into each other and then one part of the flow is above the other but next to it it's the other way around so it kind of looks like you're like uh, putting your fingers together and it just looks really cool so it's called fing know. finger rafting eyes yeah finger rafting is what you call like okay the i never heard like about it like yeah. it's a scientific slang maybe <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i could also say pancake ice because it's just so beautiful yeah and also like the frost flowers and I don't know all of them but that one like really that was really new to me and it, mm -hmm. it looked really interesting and cool mm -hmm. uh, so yeah I and, think that one and I think the polar bear moment also stands out right oh my god yes <laughs> I forgot about you forgot the about the polar bears no oh my god same on me that was so cool oh my god they were so close to the ship and oh god it, I, I don't even have the words. It was so amazing. Yeah. Like they um, they followed us around uh, um, a little bit, so we saw them. I think three times. Mm -hmm. One time very close to Lash Dan, and then one time in the evening, and then they slept close to the ship. And then there was this moment when they came super close to the mm -hmm. ship. Mm -hmm. They are so beautiful and cute and you just want to kind of cuddle them but then yes. you remember that they're this super dangerous apex predators and that they will right. like and they're gonna eat you, you. <laughs> yeah it's just really weird because you cannot really get this together in your head because they're just this super like curious and playful animal mm -hmm. and 
thanks for reminding me for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks for really for, right for telling us. I thought I mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we um, listened to the last song here. Yes. Which is, um, like you mentioned before, Thea, you felt sometimes um, as being on the moon. And you've yes. chosen that uh, song by Leslie West, To the Moon. Yes. It's actually a rather sad song, I would say. It's one that I got from my dad. Like We used to listen to this song a lot when we uh, were going into the mountains. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really sad, but there's this one line where he says... Um, Uh, I was already there on the moon, so it's like all about like being like not happy, and then you realize that you actually you're you're already there. Let's just we can really listen nice to song. that. Yes. <laughs> If you just entered, we're here with Thea Schneider at the iSpot, the official Year of Polar Prediction podcast. podcast. And um, we are actually about to conclude right. our conversation with Thea, as we did last time with Thomas. And so if you didn't listen to the previous episode, you should. Yes, of you course. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or other, other platforms. So just type the iSpot and listen also to the first episode. And you would know that we have a recurrent question at right. the end of the episode. And so this time, because you are the second, and so you get to actually answer a question, we have a question from Thomas. Yes. Thomas, if he were here, he would like to ask you, why did you choose your team jacket? And which jacket did you choose? And we have to say I'm that we, Thea is actually wearing, uh, yeah, wearing the the old jacket. The mosaic. Yes, jacket. exactly. Now. And we can't see what it means. I mean, it's a polar bear on that one. So it's actually, uh, it's the logo of, well, it's not the mosaic logo, but it's the couple system logo with ah, all the different okay. um, um, elements of the couple system. So it's the atmosphere, uh, it's the ecosystem, it's the ocean, the sea ice, and the biogeochemistry. Mm -hmm. And I actually chose team all. <laughs> That's that was the third. That, that was the team. Oh, Thomas said about the team all. Team all. Yes. Ah, okay. If you want, if you want to take them all in your shirt and like don't right. have to pick just one. So why exactly. did you do that? And I, how how could I how could I pick one over the other? <laughs> They're all so important. And I mean, I'm a, like, I'm I'm in in modeling. I have to consider all the elements and. Even though I might have like a favorite, which is the yeah. ice, <laughs> um, all the other ones are just as important. So uh -huh. that is why I chose all. Well, one of the people out there would like that Thea, you know, Consider. has a preference on yes. sea ice. Yes, right? true. Yes, <laughs> we have very, we have a lot of sea ice fans, as yes. you as you know. <laughs> But I, I, I'm satisfied with the explanation too. Like I, I, I see the point and also the fact that, you know, it's just not one element and it's, it's everything to consider and everything is also intertwined with one another. Yes. So I feel also our, our listeners and our special listeners, so the one that actually picked the, the, the team jacket would also be happy with your answer, I feel. Yeah. But if you're not... Just send us a uh, message or send us an email at polarprediction at gmail.com. Right. Yes. 
or a private message on Instagram. To turn it back to you, though, <laughs> what if you were here next time with our next uh, guest, what would you like to ask this person? Okay, I have this one very kind of weird question. So if you could time travel and go back to your teenage self, what do you think will he or she say to you like about how your life is right now? That's such a cool question. That's a very nice question. That's I, I cannot wait to ask that to the next guest that we're going to have here at the iSpod. And I think this person might have a nice chance to also look back on his, uh, him or herself. Right. That's amazing. Yes. Thank you, Thea. That's, that's really insightful and really, really cool. Thank you. It was actually one of the last questions I would always ask in my interviews. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh. Well... <laughs> We leave our last question not up to us, yes. <laughs> but this is actually a very cool one. <laughs> so I would be also interested to see the answers of these questions in your interview. So I'm looking very much forward for you to share all your outcome of this yes. uh, mosaic school. Okay, so <laughs> thank, thank you, you so very much, much Tia. Thank you uh, very much, Thea, for being with us today. For giving all these insights yes. from the Arctic. Thank you for having me. It, it was, was really great. nice. Yeah. It was great having you here. Yeah. And so with the listeners of the iSpod, we are going to listen to each other next time uh, in February with the next episode of the iSpod, the podcast about polar science and, and the people. The people. ding <laughs> <laughs> The iSpot is produced by the Year of Polar Prediction International Coordination Office with the technical support of Radio Visa TV as well as the support by the communication team of Mosaic and the Alfred Wegener Institute. Editorial responsibility is with Kirstin Werner and Sara Vascoletto. Our theme music is composed by Kevin McLeod, available on incompetech.com. For any questions, please contact us at polarprediction at gmail.com. Can you see us still? No. Okay. Please come back. Not working. <laughs>